Hi, this is Adrienne Barbeau, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Robertson Loft, Greg Garibar, welcoming you back to TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television that is about to bring you part three of our conversation with Michael Bell. Michael Bell, one of the most enduring voice actors in film and TV animation. Michael's voice can be heard in numerous video games and animated series, including Transformers, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, The Hound Cats, Rugrats, The Smurfs. And the Snorks, he was also the voice of the Parquet Tub on the very popular Parquet Margarine commercials, and he has a long list of on-screen acting credits on such shows as The Rockford Files, The FBI, Ironside, Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, and a recurring role on Dallas. Michael's website, michaelbellvoices.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at michaelbellvo. We mentioned before we recorded, and I think we mentioned in our open, that you did several episodes of Dallas. You played Bobby Ewing's banker, Les Crowley. Now, I've been told that uh, Patrick Duffy, he was the serious guy on screen, but behind the scenes, he was very, very funny, kept guest stars and you know fellow actors loose. Was that your experience working? Because you had a lot of scenes with Duffy. He was cool. He was very, very cool. He was easy to work with. You didn't feel any pressure at all. And I won't name the actors that did give me pressure. <laughs> I could get sued. But uh, he, quite frankly, was, was a treat to work with. He had a good sense of humor. And I felt very comfortable. Look, I felt comfortable enough so that uh, the character I played, I thought, you know, this is, could be just another guy, just, you know, wait, great, find his, his attorney. So I did it with an Irish dialect. Mm-hmm. And nobody fought me on it. And I said, great, this is a great set. This is a great set to work on. And he's really lovely. He's really, really sweet guy. I understand Hagman kept people loose, too, as well. I mean, you had a couple of scenes with Hagman in one of your shows, if I remember correctly. Also, also. And, you know, he was Mary Martin's son. Mm-hmm. And he was just wonderful. Also, also a wonderful person to work with. You know, guys that are easy, don't take, you don't take yourself seriously. It's acting, folks. Nobody dies. It's not brain surgery. You know, I don't, the actors that I've worked with that were just literally talking to themselves and staring at their shoes, yeah, I studied I studied the method, and I've studied Stanislavski for a number of years. But you're not going to have me standing in the corner, you know, doing this, and, uh, you know, I can't be bothered right now. I'm busy trying to get into myself. I can't be bothered with that crap. These guys were cool. How do you feel about when there are award shows and sometimes actors will accept and give these florid sort of over-the-top speeches about their craft and stuff? Isn't that... Doesn't it kind of get a little bit tiresome, I would you say? I said to my daughter, who's an extraordinary actress and producer-director as well, and I said, if you ever get an award, and she's gotten a number of awards, but nothing like that. She's never, never on nothing that's televised. Please don't talk about acting. Please don't talk about finding your true self and the journey that you took. If I hear journey from one more actor, I'm going to pee in my pants. <laughs> Not a journey. You know, you get in front of the camera, you learn your lines, you do your thing. If you're gifted enough to be able to, to, to make it work for you, then it works for you, great. If it works for other people, that's great. Listen, I hear people say, you know, I don't care for Meryl Streep. I can see her working. She's brilliant. I don't see her working. She's brilliant. She's just brilliant. You know, there are actors who, who, are, who are wonderful. There are some actors that just, yeah, okay, they're good. And some with fabulous personalities that you love watching them. 
I mean, that's, that's what it's about, but it's not brain surgery, folks. It's not that, not that important. On the line with us is Michael Bell. Michael Bell, one of the most enduring voice actors in film and TV animation. Michael's voice has been heard on such video games and animated series as the Transformers, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, the Houndcats, the Rugrats, the Smurfs, and the Snorks. You can follow Michael Bell on Twitter at MichaelBellVO to learn more about Michael's career and the workshops and voiceover that he teaches. Go to MichaelBellVoices.com. You mentioned singing before, and this was another thing that I'd asked you about earlier, um, that you had sung in a couple of your animated roles. In Heidi's song, you played uh, a guy who was actually, Janet Waldo was your your girlfriend, but she was sort of playing second fiddle to your horse. And you sang a beautiful uh, love song to your horse and actually did a dance, your character anyway, written by Sammy Kahn and Burton Lane called An Armful of Sunshine. And then in a, a TV movie Hanna-Barbera made called Oliver and the Artful Dodger, you also had a singing role as the Artful Dodger. Did you have formal training in singing? No. First of all, I don't think that was me uh, in, in uh, Johan. I did Johan's voice. I'm well, I think they, they pretty much got somebody who could really sing the Sammy Kahn show, the Sammy Kahn music. I mean, I, that's, I don't have a trained voice. I did sing in Oliver Twist and the Artful Dodger, and I don't know why they let me. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I can barely, I can just about hold a tune, but I can't hold it for too long. Um, so I was, uh, what surprised me was that I played a classic character, the Artful Dodger, and I beat out Davy Jones. For wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I was... I said, when I went in and read, I said, oh, I'm not going to get this. There's no way. I mean, Davy Jones is here. He's not only is he English, he also sings. And when they said, okay, Mike, you got it, I went, huh? Well, geez, I, I didn't even have to put out for it. I can't, I can't believe they gave it to me. And I, when I, I, well, anyway, needless to say, I've watched since and I said, oh, that's a little off key. Oh, that's a little off key. Mm, ow, but they bought it. Okay, I'm not going to fight with that. Wow. But as far as that, that I did sing on, uh, they had me sing on a on camera sing for Six Feet Under. I did a segment of Six Feet Under, and I had to sing. And I thought, oh, God, I'm dead in the water. But thankfully, uh, they took a little device and put it in my ear so that I could hear the music and the recording behind me so I could follow it. And I just played it like crazy at home, and I was able to do it. I'll have to look for that. I've got, I've, I've, I've got the entire season on... On DVD, I haven't I haven't watched that show in a number of years, but I loved it when I, that that was must see TV when it was on. Originally. Oh, me too. I, it, the thing is called "Singing for Our Lives." Is the episode? I will, I will look for that. Yeah, I will look. I will look for that. Uh, let's see. Before we started recording, uh, Michael, we were what one of the things I didn't know about until Greg told me. You're an inventor. Yeah, I um, uh, well, you know, I, uh, I'm an environmentalist, uh, and a lot of people are. I'm, I'm one of the first people to uh, drive a Prius in uh, in uh, uh, in California. In mm -hmm. fact, the L.A. Times came out and did an interview with me because nobody else was driving a Prius. No one wanted to get in it, and I bought one. And suddenly, got word got back, and I got a reporter calling me saying, "Can we take a photo of you and interview on why you're in a Prius?" Which was the ugliest car in the world, <laughs> but. Uh, 
I said, hey, I don't care about ugly. I said, I'm beautiful. I just want to get 40 miles to a gallon. So uh, that was that was the beginning. And then, of course, as I said, I'm an environmentalist. So I, when Mel and I were talking, we, we were discussing, well, what happens when you turn the shower on? You get about about two or three minutes of fresh uh, water. You you get uh, uh, white water, and it, it goes to the sewer. Why should we waste that? Why can't we establish something that would, when it goes to through the it goes to, it goes through the drain and goes to a tank, and from the tank it gets uh, filtered, and then it goes to your garden. And same thing with the toilet. Why why do we have uh, why are we using all that fresh water for black water? Why don't we use gray water? Let's let's use the water from the shower, and send that to our toilet. What could be bad? What's in the shower? Unless you're some, you know, you're some kid and you're peeing in the shower. Big deal. It gets it gets filtered anyway. So we went a long way right up to the state of California and the state of California Plumbers Association, whatever, said, no, it's going to be deleterious to women. We said, why is it deleterious to women? Because women have to sit when they urinate and in the backsplash, if it's gray water, I said, but they're urinating. How do you think it's in the urine, you fool? <laughs> well, the gray water can have pathogens. Like what? What are we going to do? We're taking a bunch of cancer victims and we're taking a bunch of tuberculosis victims and throwing them in the shower. We're taking people to take a shower and it goes down the drain and it goes into, you know, it, nobody has leprosy here. It's not, what are you talking about? I mean, that's crazy. Gray water is acceptable. And wouldn't you know, years later, they came out with a concept where they use black water that they want to turn to, uh, to white water. I said, wait a minute. You mean they're really interested in turning blackwood? You mean my neighbor throws up after a bad night? I'm supposed to drink it? <laughs> That's okay. But what we had, what Melanie and I had put together, uh, and it was workable. We wanted to put it into new homes, into into new facilities. Uh, you, you know, it's a little hard to retro, but it would have been great. That didn't happen. So we just let it go. See, so, you know, we had several. Several people interested in buying the patent. We were said, sure, you can do something with it, but then that never happened. So, hey, one of the things you tried. Well, that's hey, well, look, and we we can easily spend an hour talking about you know the obstacles that uh, you know lobbyists will throw in the way, you know, when uh, in, in order to discourage a common sense, really good invention uh, such as you just described. I can tell you that my mother. Would have loved it. When I was a kid, uh, this is like, you know, 76, 75, 76, when we had the first real big drought here in California. Yeah. You would have liked my mother, Michael, because um, what she would have us do is, and somehow either she jerry-rigged this or my father jerry-rigged this, but uh, the water that would um, spit out of the, uh, the the spin cycle, you know. Uh, it, would just, right. it would just go down the drain. Right. My mother had my father jerry-rig a system where we would, we would save the water coming out of the spin cycle, and then it would pour into this large basin that we got from Sears Roebuck, and then we would wheel it out to our backyard, and we would use the water from the spin cycle to water my mom and dad's garden. And we did that for a couple of years. I was worried you were just saying we made soup out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you had a carrot and you had a tomato and a potato and you got soup. 
No, I tell you, I do that already, but I do that now with uh, the water from our spin cycle goes out to the garden, but it goes to a, a facility that holds it, and then when it gets to a certain point, it uh, sends it out to uh, several little spigots that uh, that water the garden internally. What better come from Zan the Wonder Twin? <laughs> yes, exactly. Form of gray water. <laughs> On the line with us is Michael Bell. Michael Bell, one of the most enduring voice actors in film and TV animation. Michael's voice has been heard on such video games and animated series as the Transformers, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, the Houndcats, the Rugrats, the Smurfs, and the Snorks. You can follow Michael Bell on Twitter at MichaelBellVO to learn more about Michael's career and the workshops and voiceover that he teaches. Go to MichaelBellVoices.com. Calm. Talk about two things. One is butter yeah. and parquet, yeah. and how that came about. And I also have a follow-up question about that. Okay. Well, we we were called, we were all called in. It, I think it was everybody read for it. It was just one word. The agent said, uh, my agent at that time said, "Come on in and uh, just read for this thing." And I said, "All right. What do I do?" And he said, "Just one word." And I said, "What is it? Butter?" And I went, "That's it." And he said, "Yeah, it's a little parquet thing." He lifts the lid. Blah blah. I'm in a butter butter. Okay, fine. So I just went butter. People got three takes, Mike. Better, 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 whatever. And then I got it. And I said, okay, it's another job. And boy, this just took off like crazy. Before you know it, it became really amazing. I mean, there were cartoons about it. There were jokes about it. There were people were doing riffs on it. Then I wound up doing a lot of them over the next couple of years in Spanish, in Italian. (laughs) I remember remember the Spanish one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. spoof of it too i remember that yeah i've been shot staff (laughs) (laughs) they did did a thing also i think that and i have the strip it's a little it's a little uh from a newspaper and it shows reagan president reagan and he lifts the lid and i went uh uh better he goes guns i went better he went guns (laughs) (laughs) um you know i remember when you were on entertainment tonight and and they did a whole thing on parquet, and you said something about on your tombstone. You know they're going to say here lies Mike Bell or something. You remember that? What? I very vaguely, but yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, I try. Here lies. I, what was it? Here lies. He, he finally reached his wit's end. Something <laughs> odd. Where I was going to go butter and I've, <laughs> my yeah. coffin. When you look at my coffin, lift it, it goes butter. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And now, and of course, now you're also a walking Comic Con because you're you do you've done Star Wars and Star Trek things, including the pilot for Next right. Generation, right. Encounter at Farpoint. Right, I sure did. It's so funny when people see that, and I, they see the wig and the long hair and the whole big thing, and uh, now I look like that. But then I was quite <laughs> younger. 
I originally read for O or Q. Is it Q? I read Q, I guess, the character. And then Gene Roddenberry said, would, Mike, would you read for uh, Grappazor? And I said, sure. I thought, okay, I didn't get Q. Damn it. So I went outside and looked at the script for 12 seconds and came back in and said, I'm ready. Then I started, because I looked at the characters, what they wanted. He was this old-looking, creaky-looking guy. So I used my voice. You know, I brought him over here. And I said, I said, no, no, use your own voice. I said, because he's an old guy. Yeah, but use your own voice, because we just use the makeup. I went, oh, okay, fine. So after I did that, I wound up doing that. And then uh, and meeting all the guys for the first time, and uh, for their first time in the box. And it was very exciting. I, I don't think any of them expected it to be what they thought it would be. I don't think any of them. Uh, really thought this was going to go anywhere. I understand that you made such an uh, uh, such an impression on Patrick Stewart when you did Encounter at Far, Far Apart that he wanted to bring you back for the final episode. Yeah, he did. I ran into him at, at, a, at a studio that I was working at. I was doing some voiceovers at a studio, and he came in. I said, Patrick. He said, Michael. And we talked and shot the breeze. And he said, and I said, okay. I didn't come back for the last one. He said, I asked for you because they brought all these other characters. They said, bring back croppers on. And I said, yeah, well, they didn't listen to you, Patrick. You have no power, but I like you anyway. You're cool. But it was it was really nice of them to, to even suggest that they bring me back to that. But the guys did give me um, a Deep Space Nine, a couple of Deep Space Nines, and uh, I was play a couple of creepy characters in uh, two-parter as a Bajoran. Well, Stuart should have said, make it so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was <laughs> I had to, I had to, uh, they had to lift me. As Grapple's on, if you remember, the pilot and uh, with these wires, because I was suspended in midair, because the creature had me in its grasp, and I was supposed to be struggling and crying and trying to be released. And the uh, I had my stuntman on it. And I said, you know, stick around, and uh, you know, and they dressed him up a bit. I said, but I'll do the, I'll do the work. You know, that, just lift me up, and I'll do the work. And uh, the uh, the stunt guy said. Um, I'll rig him, and, he, and then my guy said, hey, you got to put a, a, some sort of a mattress underneath him because he's really high. And they said, no worry, don't worry, we don't need a mattress. He, he's, he's in good hands. We, I, I flew a lot of people, and he says, yeah, but I want a mattress under him. And they didn't like the idea, but they did. So they put an inflated mattress under me, and they lifted me about maybe 10, 12 feet off the ground or something like that. And I'm flat, straight out, and I'm struggling and struggling and struggling. And the wires broke. Oh. And I came down fast, landing on the mattress. Wow. Flat, flat out back. Thank God my head was up as opposed to down. Yeah. And uh, and I landed flat, and I didn't move. And I can hear voices going around, and I hear the producer, and I hear, I guess, I guess Brian or whoever, and all these guys coming in. Is he okay? Mike? Mike, okay? And I didn't move at all. Mike, are you right? And I, had, I looked up, and I went... I see a series in my future. <laughs> so they so they went ahead, and, and I have to tell you this. This you'll appreciate because we can we can do this. Do you know the series Community? Yeah. The series? Yeah. Yeah, the comedy series. They had one segment. I don't know if you recall. It was. Uh, uh, where the lead character gets hit in the head and, and he goes into a coma and he winds up in a G.I. Joe town, G.I. Joe series. Mm-hmm. And it's all it's all animated. So they called my agent, and of course it's very adult, a lot of adult jokes mm-hmm. and slams. So they called my agent and they said, uh, we'd like to get Michael Bell on the show, um, but uh, to, to Duke, but he's, what, he's like in his 70s now, isn't he? Does he sound the same? She said, why don't you give him a call? 
So they said, really? And they said, yeah, I'll give you the number. So she calls me. She says, you're going to get a call from the producers of blah, 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 the community. And they want to know if you sound okay like Duke or that you sound too old because they'll have to find some young guy to do Duke. And I said, okay, fine. So the phone rings and I pick up the phone and I go, hello? <laughs> you did an Ephraim. He goes, yeah, can, can, can <laughs> Michael Velvey. He goes, sure, Grandpa? <laughs> and I got on the phone and I went, Hello? <laughs> I have been laughing so hard. I don't know about you, Greg. I have been laughing so hard, my whole body hurts. So I want to, I, I want to thank you for that because it's just, it's the best. It's, it's great. Okay, Michael, is there anything else you'd like us to ask you that we haven't covered already? Very briefly, my daughter Ashley Bell. Let me just give her a plug. If anybody, if you got your people listening, I'd love them to see her movie that she produced and directed called Love and Bananas. It's a documentary about the rescue of a 70-year-old partially blind elephant from a trekking camp in Thailand and her 500-mile journey to a sanctuary. It's a beautiful film, got great notices, great reviews. It's been seen all over the world. It's still playing, and it got 96% from the uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Is that the one? Um, I, might, I might be getting my titles mixed up. Did Lily Tomlin narrate that? No, that's a tough one. That's oh. a rough one. That's hard to watch. Okay. All right. That's Good. apology to elephants. This is easy to watch. It's beautiful. It's, in, it's about the environment. It's about saving elephants. It's about uh, one elephant and how she, how she finds herself suddenly becoming an elephant again after 70 years in chains. Love and Bananas, uh, directed by Ashley Bell. Ashley Bell, Michael's daughter. Michael Bell, you can follow Michael Bell on Twitter, michaelbellvoices.com for more on Michael's classes, his voiceover classes, voice artist classes that he teaches. Michael, please join us again one of these nights on TV Confidential. Uh, sounds great. Love it. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net you can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential x.com forward slash tvconfidential or at tvconfidential on instagram and if you're listening to us on the tv confidential podcast please be sure to hit the subscribe button this portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.